Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to Infertility and Me podcast, a show that amplifies diverse stories about the struggles of infertility and fertility in a safe space. Our goal is to normalize fertility stories that validate, give hope, and create a community where no one is left silently suffering. Welcome, welcome, welcome you guys to another episode of Infertility and Me. Happy November. We're almost there to the end of the year, getting it through minute by minute, day by day, week by week. I appreciate you for being here and letting me be a part of your day. You guys, you guys, you guys, what a wild ride we have had thus far this year, the many ups and downs that we've been on in our personal lives and and also the state of our nation. I hope that you are doing well and I hope that you are okay and I hope that you are taking care of your mental health as I am also speaking to myself. If this is your first time tuning into the Infertility Ambi podcast, my name is Monique Farouk and I'm your infertility advocate and I thank you for being here. And I'm also an IVF mom to one, no longer trying for a sibling and we've put that to bed now. I'm 39 years old. So I am just living my life with a family of three that we are and that's a little intro about me. And if you'd like to hear more about my story, you can go back to episodes one, two, and three. This episode is with Megan Whiting. Megan Whiting is a mom to a one little boy who she conceived through fertility treatments after her diagnosis in 2016. And after several years of marriage, her and her husband got serious about trying and began to seek the help of their reproductive endocrinologist. Uh, well, first their OBGYN trying to get answers and sort through some things. So in this episode, Megan tells us all about how it was necessary for her and her husband to take a break in the midst of treatment to gather their thoughts. And she reminds us that we need to have a backup plan if things don't go out as we saw that they would. So that means what will we do if there is no bundle? What would we do if their adoption falls through? 
What would we do if egg preservation falls through and or the azoospermia and or the ICSI doesn't work out? What are we going to do? What does life look like with or without the bundle? Megan and I discuss so many things to that aspect and Megan is such a wealth of wisdom and knowledge about all things fertility and how we can navigate it with our mind and sanity intact. And so you would want to listen through the entire episode and you can learn more about Megan's foundation, the pursuit of Rainbow's foundation, and her advocacy work through Resolve at Mrs. Ohio INTL22 on Instagram or you can tap and go in today's show details. And we will be back in just a second, you guys, with Megan. So we're back, you guys, with our girl, Megan. Thank you, Megan, girl, for coming on the show. Yeah. And sharing your work with us, what you have been through with infertility, and mm-hmm. then how you're looking to change things and using your platform and your pageantry experience to do so. So I appreciate you. Yes. Thank you for having me. Megan, girl, how did you meet hubby? How did you guys come together? That's my question that I like to ask everyone to get in your business a little bit before we get into the deep stuff. How did you guys meet? Yeah, actually, our story of how we met is is a, very much a twist of fate. So we actually, our paths crossed twice, two different times before we landed in the same city together. So we both work in corporate retail and we were interviewing for a job in Pennsylvania, where I'm from, and he was at that interview. And then six months after that, I went to Wisconsin for a job interview, which is where he's from. And we met again. He was so sweet. I finally, I recognized him and went up to him and asked him, do you remember me? He said, yes, that he did. But a few months later, he was honest with me and told me, no, but I figured if a pretty girl walks up to me and asks if I remember her, it's probably best that I just say yes. So I said yes, but um, the connection we had, we quickly had a connection as friends, and then that that connection quickly grew into a relationship, and then we were married in 2014, so about three years after we met. Perfection. I like hubby's answer. Yes. <laughs> I know. That was, that was the answer of a lifetime, let me tell you. <laughs> right. I wish more could get it that quickly. Amazing. <laughs> love it. Love it. And so when did the topic after marriage begin? How long had you guys been married and how old were you at the time? If you don't mind sharing your age. (laughs) Of course. um, We got married at 26 and we said we wanted to, we didn't want to rush right into parenthood. We wanted to take that time to enjoy just being married. So we said once we hit our first wedding anniversary, that's when we would start trying to conceive or at least getting more serious about that. First anniversary hit, we felt like, yeah, we were ready to go down that path as ready as you can be, right, to go down the path of parenthood. We tried on our own for a year, and it was in 2016 that we finally um, went to a reproductive endocrinologist because we weren't having success on our own. And at the time, infertility was something that hadn't really crossed my mind. I was aware of what infertility was, but I didn't know anybody personally who had experienced it. Neither on our side had experiences with infertility in our family history, there were family members that had dealt with pregnancy loss, but ultimately ended up carrying a successful pregnancy. You know, so it wasn't really on any of our radars as something that we could possibly face on our journey to parenthood. And that was the thing that kind of blindsided us both. It was, you're not always prepared for every life experience that you're going to have. And infertility is something that I think very few, few, few people plan for. And so it was definitely something that 
it was a curveball in our marriage, a curveball in our relationship, and really a defining moment for us in our lives. Yeah, so well put, Megan. So well put, so articulate. You're right. You don't really truly know how it feels until you actually are put into those shoes and you walk it and you live it and you breathe it. And so did you go to your OBGYN right away with concerns that there might be a deeper issue? The timing kind of worked out nicely that by the when we first started trying, I, I kind of gave her a heads up of like, hey, I'm going off of birth control because I was on hormonal birth control at the time. And by the time that we had hit a year of, un- of not having any success on our own, it was around the time of my annual visit again with her that I had expressed concern. She generously was like, let's just do you know a thyroid panel and just make sure everything is, is good. And so before I refer you to a reproductive endocrinologist. She was thinking maybe your body just needs time to to process all those synthetic hormones that you had been on for so many years. Everything with my thyroid came back great. Everything was normal. And so she did give us a referral for a reproductive endocrinologist just to ensure that there weren't any underlying conditions. I personally am someone who has always struggled with painful periods. Something like endo, while we didn't have a family history of it, Um, It was something that was always kind of in the back of my mind of like, could I have? It was something that we were looking forward to of going to see that reproductive endocrinologist just to kind of rule things out. At that point, when I think back of like where we were, we had spent 12 months of each month, you start to lose a little bit more hope each month. And so by the time we got to our reproductive endocrinologist and had that first appointment, you know, your hope is a little bit restored, but also your guard is up because you don't know what you're going to hear as far as what is the reason why. And so we went through the run of the mill tests. You never want to go to the doctor and find and want something to be wrong with you. You know, you go to the doctor hoping that it's a Nope, you're fine. It's a quick, but that day I remember feeling so desperate in wanting to be diagnosed with something because I wanted something to blame it on. You know, emotionally, I was in that state of like, if it not because I wanted to point fingers at one of us, it's because I couldn't, the only way I could rationalize how I was feeling in that moment was if I had something to say, oh, The deck was stacked against me. I have PCOS. I have endometriosis. I have diminished ovarian reserve. Like, that's the only way I could rationalize this experience of what we were going through and the pain that we were in. And he shared with us that on paper, you should be able to have a baby. And so you fall into that unexplained category of infertility and in one moment, I was relieved. Okay, great. Nothing is wrong. That relief quickly transformed into frustration because it's like, well, then why isn't it working? If nothing's wrong, why isn't, why isn't it happening? And you know, your mind races with a, a million different scenarios of, was it because I did this? Was, it, was I on birth control for too long? Was it, am I not doing, did I not chart right? Did I not temp right? Did I not count the days right? You know, you just, your mind starts racing with all these different possibilities. And the the biggest message in my mission of what I want to get across is that the emotional impact of infertility is lifelong. And for a long time, I didn't recognize it as trauma. And it took me several years after that first year and a half of trying to recognize that the experience of infertility is traumatic. It's not just a hard time in your life. It truly is trauma for the men and women who go through it. Yes, so freaking right, Megan. Again, 
articulating beautifully what we all have to say, what we all say to ourselves in our minds. Powerful stuff, Megan. I don't want to, I just don't want to breeze over that because Mm -hmm. I feel like even after, or even if you never get the bundle, right? Mm -hmm. Our menses, this beautiful thing that our body does in order to prep us for human life is a trigger Mm -hmm. after month, every month. Mm -hmm. And then for those who have had partial and or complete hysterectomies and or MRKH and they don't have the organs, weren't born with the organs necessary, a constant reminder, a constant trigger for the pain and disappointment of what we feel like our body is not doing for us, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's um that's pretty dag on deep on a Tuesday. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to start the week. I'm telling but... you, but Yeah, it's the reality for so many people. And when I think of, you know, there's about 7 million people in the United States alone that have been diagnosed with infertility. And, uh, you know, when I, you know, it's one thing to sit back in hindsight being 2020, you know, we, by the time we did end up conceiving our son and having our rainbow baby, you know, we were four years into the process. And now hindsight's 2020 looking back on it. And I now get why I didn't know anybody who was going through infertility. It was really hard when you're in the depths of it to share your story and to share what you're going through because everyone's in your corner. Everyone's rooting for you. Everyone is is hopeful for you and you know one thing my husband and I carried a lot with us was it wasn't just the grief in our potential missing out on parenthood. We were grieving for our parents who maybe wouldn't become grandparents our siblings who maybe wouldn't be aunts and uncles, our friends who wouldn't be aunts and uncles. You know, it's, it's not just the grief for the loss of my own personal dream. It's that, it's that grief in the loss of the dream for other people. You know, again, you know, people don't plan to go through infertility. You want your, the natural course of life for yourself and the natural progression of life for yourself. And it's more than just about your personal experience. You know, infertility, it's a ripple effect. It, it, it impacts everybody in your life to some degree. And personally, you know, like I said, thinking back on it now, I waited too long to share my story. I waited until I was nearly rock bottom in our experience to share our story. And after we got to that point, because we did get to a point in our journey. So after that initial meeting with our reproductive endocrinologist, he laid out a treatment plan or protocol, and it was three IUIs, and then he would recommend IVF. We moved forward with that IUI treatment. I was medicated for three, but I only got to do two because of some cysts that developed on my ovaries that prevented you know, follicles from maturing um, due to the clomid, the two clomid cycles I was on. And then we changed medications. But once that third IUI failed and we were at a crossroads of, do we go down the path of IVF or do we take a break? Everyone listening to understand that everyone gets that point in their journey of feel like you're running out of steam. I remember distinctly looking at my husband and saying, I know I want to be a mom, but this version of myself that infertility has morphed me into is not the type of mom I want to be. And it was then that I told him, like, I think we need to think about how do we live a fulfilled and happy life with or without children? Because right now in this moment, this 
this is not the mother I want to be to our children. I had gotten to a point in our journey where I had not only reduced myself, but our my husband and our marriage and held that the value we bring to each other purely on our ability to reproduce. And it became such a dark and isolating time, which I think is not uncommon for people who experience infertility to go through those feelings of isolation, which is why I probably didn't know why anybody in my life was going through infertility because it is so isolating. But after we hit that moment, we knew regardless of what happened next, regardless of how long our pause was in our journey, we were going to talk about it. We're going to talk about every day. We're going to talk about to everybody who wanted to listen and not to get sympathy, just to educate. And also like create some acceptance that this is our story. This is our experience and bringing that into reality for us because up until that point, it was just living by each month cycle. And then as you got, you know, into the the specialist part of it, you know, just following the lead of our specialist. And I think we were in that moment where we needed to take back what our life looked like before infertility change what our life looked like going forward for us to help heal. And so where did you guys go from there? What did the next step of your journey look like? From there, we took quite a long break from trying. And, you know, you said something earlier that really reminded me of this just now that while we need to be open about our journey and what we're going through in the moment, I think it's also important to share of there's value in the pause. There's value in rest. And I think for a long time, I carried a lot of shame about the fact I wanted to take a break. And I didn't tell people that that was part of our journey. You know, I said, we tried for a year and a half. And then, you know, really, at the end of the day, it took us four years to get to our son. We we were diagnosed in 2016. We had him in 2020. Yes, there was two years that we took a break to heal from that trauma. And I shouldn't discredit it as part of our story because at the end of the day, infertility is trauma and you need time to heal and process and understand where to go next and follow that intuition of what what do we need to do next in order to to feel fulfilled. And so, you know, I want anybody listening to understand if you're if you're on that cusp of do I need a break? Do I not need a break? There's no shame in taking that break. Infertility is hard. It is grueling and it is draining emotionally and financially. And there's no shame in having a pause moment and having that be a part of your journey. And where do you think your shame stemmed from? What do you think was the root cause felt like, of that shame in saying that you take a break? Yeah, I think it was that feeling of, was I giving up? And was I giving up too easy? And again, like you think you, you've got to be strong. You've got to be strong. And there was a point where just my strength wore out and I needed a minute to reground myself and get back the the real reason why my husband and I wanted to be a family because it, it became all consu- it became all I could think about all I could talk to my friends about I lost sight of what it even is I I liked doing outside of work and trying to have a baby and that's when I knew that I needed to take a step away for a moment from that being my focus in life it's not that the desire didn't go away. I just knew I, I needed to reprioritize in that moment. To figure out your root cause of the shame for this part of your story. Yeah. And even if it has nothing to do with fertility, 
figure out where that where where that trigger is coming mm-hmm. from. Why do you feel shame for it? Right. And then realize and recognize it's you and you're having a battle by yourself. Right. Because nobody else knows exactly. This. Nobody else is in your mind, right? Right. I, I think we forget right. that. Nobody knows. And that's, the, <laughs> so and that's the thing. No one in our life was pressuring us to have children. No one, we weren't getting those well-intended comments from our friends and family being like, so when are you having a baby? Having a, you know, no one was pressuring us. We never felt any pressure. And we knew deep down that no one was going to be disappointed in us either if having a biological child wasn't in our plan for our life and if we needed to resolve our fertility in another way. We knew that. We knew no one was going to be disappointed and everyone was going to be supported for us. But like you said, you're you're in this battle with yourself and your mind and what you're telling yourself as you're in the depths of that journey. And your mind can take you to a crazy place really quickly, especially when you're going through something as painful as infertility. It really warps your mind in a weird way. I totally agree. Yep. When did you guys decide that now is the freaking time? We're going to get back in this thing. We're going to go back and start these fertility treatments again. And we're going to move forward and we're going to do it and we're going to give it our best. And then we're going to go from there. It was September, October of 2019 that we decided let's start trying again. Um, we said, no, we're, we're not going to jump back into the specialists. We're going to just, let's just have fun in that part of our life again. Let's not feel Let's not give ourselves the pressure of calculating and tracking and timing. Let's just try to have fun with it this time around. No, take, take the pressure off. And very much to our surprise, we conceived naturally on that cycle. We ended up miscarrying at eight weeks and losing that pregnancy, which I remember telling my husband, I would rather never see a positive pregnancy test than experience a miscarriage. Like it was a million times worse than than anything we experienced with infertility. So we we took some time in between um, those cycles till things kind of normalized again post miscarriage. And then we just continued to try again, somehow managed to conceive naturally again. I really can't explain it. And I still try to this day to understand why we conceived when we did. Found out we were pregnant in January of 2020. So of all the times to find out that you're pregnant is let's have a baby in a global pandemic. But we conceived, like I said, naturally again. And, you know, there was a lot of, we. I don't think we exhaled for, I think, five weeks until we get into our OB's office to, you know, to confirm the pregnancy with an ultrasound. But personally, it took a long time for me to exhale. Being pregnant after infertility, no matter how you were able to achieve that pregnancy, is not easy. And it doesn't wash away all of those emotions that came with our infertility journey. There was a lot of, and this is too, when I realized, wow, like going, experiencing infertility was traumatic because I, like I said, I, I couldn't exhale. Even when we got to 20 weeks, I still felt like I couldn't exhale. Just everything seemed too good to be true. And I, again, kept trying to rationalize in my head of like, why now? Why not then? When I was asking for it so badly, why not then? Like, why now was it our turn? And also just that feeling of, well, it didn't happen before. Like, when is it going to be taken away? And that's the hardest thing and hardest mental battle I had the entire time I was pregnant was just 
oh, is that feeling? Is that something? Is that, you know, every twinge, every cramp, every time I maybe had a little spotting was one, oh, here it is. This, yep, see, exactly. I knew this was too good to be true. This isn't really our turn. It just, and that's what I mean when I say that, that effect of infertility is lifelong. It doesn't go away with a successful pregnancy. It stays with you forever. And even after, you know, having our son, I still, it puts it into a different perspective of, and why I have become such a passionate advocate in the past year of the fact that there are so many people that are still waiting for their rainbow. The amount of joy he brings to our life, that is worth fighting for, for all those people who are still waiting for their rainbow. Because if I could give you a piece of what I've got, I would give it to you in a second because it, it really is wonderful. And it's everything we ever you know hoped for and dreamed for and makes what we went through worth it. Someone asked me just a couple weeks ago, if I had to go through infertility again, would I? And I said, yes, I would. Because there were so many lessons I learned along the way that brought me to where I am now and has made me the mother that I am today to my son. And if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be that person today. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be an advocate. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't have a foundation. I wouldn't have this desire to want to help these couples who need that extra boost on their infertility journey. So, you know, it's weird to say that I was grateful for infertility, but I truly am. I'm grateful that I I had that experience. I can empathize with a whole group of people that I didn't plan that could empathize with, but I can and it's created that, you know, advocate and that passionate that passion in me to to want to do more and want to do more for those people who are, continue to be affected by infertility. You've decided to start spreading awareness with your most mm -hmm. recent pageant. Was that something that felt automatic to you or did it take some time for you to really sort through your thoughts and how you were going to address it and or not really address it, but how you were going to attack it? It was something that had kind of been on my mind ever and really started forming at that moment that we decided to take that break. That when I was looking for what's going to make me feel fulfilled if I don't have a life with children, or if I have a life without children. And that's when this idea of what is now the Pursuit of Rainbows Foundation came to be. I wanted to distribute grants. I wanted to help people in that philanthropic way and have that be the legacy for our family of I want to be known as the family in Central Ohio that helps people make babies through grants and tries to push the insurance mandates forward in creating that increased access to covered care for these people that don't have access to care. In the state of Ohio, we are an insurance mandated state, but it's for HMO plans only. So it definitely limits the population when most Ohioans are on a PPO plan. And so it's really up to individual employers to offer that benefit to their employees. And so there are millions of Ohioans that do not have access to covered care and every day are making that choice of how do we grow our family but also feel financially secure. When you're in the trenches of your journey, it's, it's a whatever it takes mentality. Cost of treatments are expensive, but you're willing to do whatever it takes because that desire to be a parent 
and to have a child is inherent and you are going to fight for that dream and that desire to be realized. And the fact that people are having to make that choice or having to delay their treatment so they can save the money to pay for their treatment, it just feels unfair. And that's why I feel so moved and so and have this drive to want to help them as as much as I can because you know it took me 4 years and even having 1 year of a difficult time trying to conceive is too long and the fact that you might have to delay treatment 6 months or a year to give yourself time to save having to push away a dream and it just feels really discouraging that people are having to make those decisions i feel the same way and we all deserve the chance if we want exactly. it there's so many people who don't want it. And we're, we've been fighting that with Roe v. Wade. And that's okay. They don't want it right now. That's okay. But I do. She does. He does. Or they do. Whatever mm-hmm. the pronoun is, right? And so that's why I love when people like yourself use your platform, your niche to create these organizations and speak to people who are passionate about what you have to say. And they are listening with their ears open and their hearts open mm-hmm. and donating. Because- Everybody needs help. Every freaking yes. penny counts, you guys. Okay, we ball mm-hmm. on a budget. Okay, <laughs> we're not spending lavish amounts of no. money on crazy things that are unnecessary. Right, right. Everybody needs a little help. Like every, like you said, everybody deserves a right to build a family in whichever way they see fit. Having that access to affordable care is a way for people to build a family in the way that they want to and when they want to. And infertility is going to look different for everybody. But also there's people who experience infertility that choose to live child-free. They choose to go through foster, um, become, becoming foster parents and adoptive parents. They choose gestational carriers. The big thing for people to remember is in supporting your friends and family members who are going through infertility, support them with an open mind and an open heart. Listen to what they're going through, hear their stories, hear their feelings. If you know it's a treatment day, offer them, offer an encouraging text of just, I'm thinking of you. If you know they're having a procedure, an egg retrieval, transfer day, offer to drop off a meal or do a load of laundry for them or house cleaning, whatever the case may be. Just laundry. Yes, laundry. There's Let's go back. Laundry. And then fold it for me, please. Yes, Just leave the it there. I'll get it. I'll get folding. to it. That's the worst part. When is the machine going to be you, invented girl. that the dryer folds Listen, it? The day an AI is created for it, I am there. Okay, I will spend the coins. I won't be no. cheap that day. I'll go ahead and buy it. But yes, it's important to just recognize and support. You can support if you're not up for advocacy. If you don't have the extra coins right now, the easiest way is for you to just support those in your life that you know are going through it. And a text, a meal, a hug, a shoulder to cry on hearing, I understand you have a right to feel mad. You have a right to feel upset at this point in your journey. That goes a long way for someone who's going through it. Wonderful. And give us a last word that you would have to offer someone who's still in the thick and throes and woes of infertility or someone making the borderline decision to possibly walk away. Stay hopeful. I know it's hard, but um, it's important that you keep the, keep the faith and keep hope in this promise. Um, 
because the whole premise of the pursuit of rainbows is that everyone's on their journey for their rainbow. You know, after the storm comes the rainbow and a rainbow symbolizes that promise and that hope and a promise is a promise. And whether that promise is your rainbow baby or whether that promise is a new purpose for you in your life or if that rainbow has led you down a path where you feel called to foster care, um, a rainbow is a rainbow. So I would encourage everybody to just stay hopeful and look for the rainbow in your journey because it might not be the most obvious rainbow. This is facts, Megan. This is facts. Jarvin Jens, once again, <laughs> where can we find you online, girl? Yes. Yeah, so I am on Instagram as Mrs. Ohio INTL22. That is my title holder page where you will see pageant content and platform content as re relates to the pursuit of rainbows. You can find my foundation's website at www.pursuitofrainbows.org. And there is a Pursuit of Rainbows Instagram handle as well. Based on when this will air, our grant cycle will be closed, but keep checking the site for when our fall grant cycle will open and distribute as many grants as we can. Thank you so much for that, Megan. And I will have all of that in today's show details. And you can also just check out Infertility and Me podcast on Instagram because a lot of times people like Megan have organizations and information and resources will tag me and I'll reshare it. And so I can remind you guys as well that way. And do follow Megan though, so you can keep up with her journey. And then also with the Pursuit of Rainbows Foundation. Megan, girl, it's been a blast. This has Thank been a you. blast. Thank you so much. This was so, Thank you. so fun. And I love that, you no, know, not something I planned to connect with someone on, but I'm glad we could connect on this and you know, build our relationship based off of this connection. And thank you for creating this forum to amplify those voices of infertility because it's important that we hear those stories. It's the only way we're going to be able to keep on keeping on is knowing that we're not alone in our journey. Absolutely. Thank you so much again, girl, for your kind, kind words. And thank you, friends, for tuning in to Infertility and Me Podcast. Once again, you know where to find me, Infertility and Me Podcast, on Instagram. Peace and blessings. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.